DW here, and I'm so excited to present to you the true crime and paranormal comedy podcast of Paranormal Chicks. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 36. And y'all just heard DW. Oh, DW. We love DW. How many times are you going to say your fucking name? It's like Bloody Mary. You got to say it three times. All right. But let's say it one more time. That was DW, a member of the Creepinati. And we're excited to have her introduce us. Even though we loved Will, we're glad for our Creepinati peeps to be back introducing. As I always say, if you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast, check out the tiers, and uh, sign up for one if you want to introduce an episode. And if you don't want to introduce an episode, but you like that tier, you can donate it. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward. All right. The first one. You girls make my nights so much better while I work. I have a couple of stories for you. First... About 15 years ago, my daughter and I were driving around a lake looking for deer. This is what you do in a small town. I don't have to look for them. They find me. Literally, a deer has run into Donna's car before. Twice. And the first time, my mom didn't, no one believed me. Because maybe when I was a kid, I got in an accident on my bike. And they said, what happened? And my mama said not to ride like I was riding or I'd get in a wreck. And so... You know, I can't be wrong. If y'all heard that whole argument about the clothesline. (laughs) And so I said, the rocks flew up and hit me. So that's also the time that she left galls in my knee. (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. (laughs) Patty Jo was not a nurse. Good God. (laughs) Like forever, right? Yeah, it it is still in there. (laughs) I feel like it would have worked its way out by now if it still is. Well, I'm disintegrated with my bone. I don't know. I don't know how shit works. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, when I said a deer hit me, well, it actually, a car hit it, and it hit onto me. (laughs) But the police said if if I would have hit it head on, it would have totaled Yolanda. Poor Yolanda. She she had it rough, y'all. Three deer. Three deer and... A mailbox. A mailbox that I did hit. (laughs) I hydroplaned. (laughs) They've heard the story. Sorry, I hijacked your story. It's okay. It's not my story. Well, I was talking to her, our listener. Oh. I forget people can hear us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the person who wrote in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were parked about 10 feet away from a boat ramping to see if there were any deer by the water. We had been sitting there for several minutes when I happened to look in my rearview mirror to see a car speeding down the hill towards us. One of my fears is having my car go into the water while I'm in it. (gasps) Oh, me too. Me too. But you know what? You just take your little headrest off and one of the sides is longer than the other and that's what it's for is to knock your window out. Yep. Needless to say, I put both feet on the brake in case the car hits the back of my car. The car ended up stopping about a car length behind us. I continued to sit there, but the car didn't move or go around us. I got a very bad feeling in my gut, so we started to leave. When the car was behind us, all I could see was the male driver. As we went around to leave, I was able to see the driver, 
and a small boy with his head turned to look over the driver's left shoulder. As we drove up the hill to leave the boat ramp area, I watched the driver drive the car onto the boat ramp in the rearview mirror. I had a bad feeling that would not go away as we drove. I kept thinking I need to let someone know to check on the car. As we got to the highway, there was a police car with a car stopped. I told myself I was being stupid. The next morning, I met some friends for breakfast, and they asked me if I had heard about three children drowning in a car in Clinton Lake. What? I called my cousin, whose husband is a firefighter in the town. I described the car I saw on the boat ramp. She asked how I know that. I called the police and told them what I saw. I ended up testifying in two trials. The driver was sentenced to life in prison, while the mother of the children was sentenced to three years. Holy shit. After all this, it took me a long time to stop thinking if I had only stopped to talk to the police that was sitting there on the highway. To this day, if my gut is telling me something, I listen. Wow. Holy crap. Well, because I totally get that, like, feeling of, I'm just being stupid. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, like, and two, I would even be like, well, if you pulled up to a police car that had another car stopped, like they may think that you're trying to do something to them. You know what I mean? So I would be scared to even pull up to that police officer to talk to him. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I'd be like, oh God, he's going to think I'm like trying to ambush him while he's, you know? Yeah. That is heartbreaking. Mm. Good for you for calling the police though. Yeah. And being so involved in the trials and stuff. Like, wow. Wow. And thank you for sharing that story with us. Yes, absolutely. All right, here's mine. Hello, I'm new to the podcast, only just started listening, but I'm already in love. I'm currently working as an office assistant, archiving old files and processing invoices, so I'm allowed to listen to music if I like. I have been listening to this podcast, and it really gets me through the long days. We are so happy when we can help y'all with work, Mm because work is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not wrong. All right, back to her story. Anyway, my ghost story isn't really that scary, but a lot of people don't believe me because they don't believe in ghosts. So a little backstory before we jump in. When I was little and I couldn't sleep, my pop used to gently smooth my hair and softly rub the temples on my head, and it would usually send me to sleep. That sounds fucking amazing. Right? Listen, she said, I wasn't sure how to word that without it sounding creepy. No, that is Carrie's, like, dream. That is my fucking heaven. Right? Eight years ago, when I was 12, my pop died. I was heartbroken. He was my best friend and the first death in the family. That's so hard. Young 12-year-old me couldn't comprehend it, and I didn't get to say goodbye, which made grieving even harder. The night after his funeral, I could not sleep. Then I felt a weight sit at the end of the bed. I used the light from my phone to see if something was there, but my room was empty. I didn't feel threatened, and I actually felt really safe. Then I felt the familiar touch of my pop gently rubbing my temples. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep after that because that's all I can remember when I woke up. Some people tell me it was a dream, but it didn't feel that way. It really felt as though he was there next to me once again, and it almost felt like it was his way of saying goodbye. Sorry if the story isn't very well written. I wrote it on my phone on my way to work in. Um, that story was wonderful. Yes. Like, oh my God. And even if it was a dream, 
It was his spirit coming to you saying goodbye. Yeah, I totally agree. And comforting you and everything. It doesn't matter if, you know, like if someone walked in and wouldn't see his spirit there and you were asleep. Yeah. Like he was still there. Yeah. Completely agree. That is so heartwarming. Hey there, Donna and Carrie. I finally managed to get it together enough to send you my stories. I'm one of your Brit listeners, and I grew up in sleepy, rural Lincolnshire in a market town called Bourne. Nothing much happens within a 20-mile radius. Super dull. Everybody knows each other. It's not quite as parochial as it used to be, but you can pretty much guarantee that if you're up to no good, at least five people will have told your mom before you've gotten home. Oh, Lord, yes. All that changed in October 2009 when there was a murder in a nearby village. Oh, fuck. Dun, dun, dun. Alan Wood lived in Lound, a hamlet which is even more rural than Bourne. Hamlet? <laughs> I'm telling you, legit, I, like, parochial, I had to go, per- like, <laughs> you yeah. are way smarter than us. Always. Yes. He was a 50-year-old man with his own gardening business. He supplemented his earnings by working the night shift at Sansbury Supermarket in Bourne. This is a two-minute walk from my mom's house. So, he was a very familiar face locally. He was a regular at the Willoughby Arms in Little Bytham. He was well-liked and had no links to criminal activity, so it's a complete mystery as to why he was murdered. On the morning of Saturday, 24th, October 2009, a friend popped around to visit him. Oh my God, I love this story. (laughs) He found the front and back doors to Alan's bungalow were open and didn't get a response when he shouted. As this was unusual, he gave Alan's landlord a call and asked him to come out and investigate with him. They both went into the bungalow and found what has been described as one of the most horrific scenes witnessed in Lincolnshire police history. Oh gosh. They found Alan lying face down in a pool of his blood in his living room. It was apparent that he had been there a few days. Mm. His, his hands were taped together, and he had huge stab wounds to his head and body. Mm. He was murdered by having his throat slit, and the murderer had unsuccessfully tried to decapitate him. Uh-uh. Nothing was missing from the property apart from his bank cards. His neighbors hadn't heard anything suspicious. The last time Alan had been seen alive was on 21st October. He was captured on CCTV at Morrison's Supermarket in nearby Stamford. After he had finished his shop, he went home via his local, the Willoughby Arms, and left around 6.30 p.m. There are 65 hours unaccounted for before he was discovered. This is what detectives believe happened to Alan. He was attacked on Thursday, 22nd October. He appeared to have been in bed reading when a disturbance at the front door led him to investigate. He was overpowered by two men and his hands were bound by tape. He was then tortured to obtain his pen before he was finally murdered. Oh my gosh. Police found evidence of the murderers, I mean the S in parentheses because they don't know, at the scene. A footprint made by a UK size 8 Converse trainer. Fragments of a Delane bus ticket. They are a company based in Bourne who run local services. My granddad used to work as a bus driver for them. And a full male DNA profile. No match has ever been made for the DNA profile in the UK or abroad. What? 
Allen's bank cards had been used a number of times. Eleven attempts had been made at various ATMs, with only two being successful. There are CCTV images of the perpetrator using the ATM on West Street in Bourne, and witnesses state they saw two men using the ATM at Sansbury's store where Allen worked in Bourne. They managed to produce a photo fit of the suspect they dubbed, quote, ATM man. He was described as 5'9 to 5'11, slim to medium build, possibly walked with a limp, dressed in smart, casual clothes, and a distinctive striped scarf. He's a smoker. He appears to be a local, as he knew where the CCTV was in the area and used the local bus service. There is no apparent motive for Allen's murder. The most likely possibility is a case of mistaken identity. Allen bore a strong resemblance to the manager of the Sansbury store he worked in. No. It's possible that the killers followed him home, thinking he was the manager and therefore had the keys which they tortured him for. It will soon be the 10th anniversary of Allen's murder. Four people have been arrested in the investigation and more than 20,000 people have been spoken to. It has been featured twice on Crime Watch and has been the subject of a documentary, Donald McIntyre, Unsolved. Police are hopeful that his murderer will be found, but it still remains unsolved. They have another story, but I want to touch on this one just real quick Okay. before I keep reading. It wasn't signed, so I'm going to keep them anonymous because I don't know. But, so, question. Is a UK size 8 smaller than our size 8? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. So they weren't very large, whoever this was that left the footprint. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really small shoe size for someone who's 5'9", five, 5'11". Five, so I'm wondering, is the shoe print left by a woman? Mm. And obviously, it's a male DNA profile that they found. So, hello. But if they're thinking that maybe it was two people have overpowered him yeah and i mean if they're looking for two men really they should be looking for a man and a woman maybe Mm, that's pretty damn good i mean i'm probably completely wrong (laughs) probably completely wrong okay to the second story my second story is a ghostly encounter my great uncle tom had as a policeman in born i hope i'm saying this all this all these things all these places all these things (laughs) it's gonna be some shit if literally born is in here mm, 800 times, and I watch me say it wrong literally every time. Is it spelled like Jason Bourne? Yeah, B-O-U-R-N-E. Okay. Bourne is the site of an old monastery. During the Reformation, there was a tunnel that the monks could use to escape to the Red Hall. It is rumored that some monks were drowned escaping using this route. Gosh. There have been several sightings of monk apparitions around the church and the monastery grounds. There is no longer a monastery in Bourne. Great Uncle Tom was patrolling the streets one night whilst he was on duty as a policeman. He was walking past Brook Lodge and had a sudden urge to peer over the wall. No explanation for it, he just needed to look over the wall. The wall was about five feet tall, and as he peeped over the top, he saw a figure of a monk with red, glowing eyes Uh -uh. walking across the lawn. Nope. Don't like that. He was really shaken by the experience and reported it. He was ridiculed by his colleagues so badly and his experience affected him so badly that he retired from the police force. 
He then went to work for BRM, a British Formula One racing team founded in 1945, and can be seen in this short film about Bourne. And she attached a link. Well, that's cool. Well, that's all. Hope you enjoyed reading my sinister sightings. That is crazy. I'm so sorry for your uncle. Can you imagine, like, seeing something, reporting it, doing your fucking due diligence, no matter what it sounds like? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been somebody with fucking contacts in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those motherfuckers. Don't be an asshole. Right. Like, look, the joke goes too far uh-huh. when someone has to quit their job because they are... Exactly. Like, Bullied. tormented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bullied. Okay, this one's called Childhood Governess. Hey, ladies. So I told you about the ghost of my current apartment. Now let's go back in time to my childhood. Oh, shit. Okay, so picture this. The year is 2000. We moved into our new house on my birthday that year, and for a present, my parents got me a bunch of new bedroom stuff. So 10-year-old Krista is sitting in her tie-dye, yellow, smiley-faced VW bug room. (laughs) Can picture that fucking plainly. Oh, 100%. Oh, it gets better. In a blow-up chair... Look, I always got one from, like, Claire's, but I never sat in it because, let's just be honest, <laughs> it was just to be cool. Uh, Well, I never had one because my mom would not have spent money on that <laughs> shit, but I had friends that had them. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Timmy sat in it. She probably had a whole fucking furniture set. Do you remember those little, we called it the little chair. Do you remember those little chairs that were like little couches, like little bitty couches that would unfold and like make like a bed, but it was like, like pillow. Yeah. Like it was on the ground. Yeah, yeah, My sister Kelly had one of those in her dorm. And then when she moved home, when she got in grad school, it came with her and we loved that little chair like that would be we <laughs> called it the little chair and said that's what we'd watch tv on like you could sit in it or you could unfold it and lay in it yeah <sighs> sorry i hijacked your story <laughs> oh god it gets even better oh yes listening to christina aguilera's genie in a bottle <laughs> y'all i had this cool cordless phone that had genie in a bottle and like three other songs on it that would be the ringtone again my parents bought it okay like mama look (laughs) when i finally got a phone in my room i remember it it was blue Mm -hmm. and it was like 14.99 at walmart like i don't know why i remember (laughs) that price but that's how much i think it was and it was this blue phone that did nothing but ring (laughs) It wasn't my own phone line. It wasn't, didn't have fucking a ring back tone. Yeah, mine did. Um, But mine wasn't my own phone line. I mean, we had call waiting, but we didn't have like caller ID and stuff. Yeah. Man, I remember when Tiffany. Y'all did. Yeah, we did, but we didn't get it right away. But Tiffany and them did. Uh Uh-huh. So they had like the caller ID. That was on the wall? Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh, it's called. (laughs) <laughs> like, it was so cool. Like, we get to see who's fucking calling mm-hmm. before we answer the phone. That, like, kids today don't even know. No. Okay, because listen to this. There used to be a phone number, 
a local number for a bank that you could call, and it was time and temperature. Yeah. Okay. Well, time and temperature was like one number, or maybe more than that, but I feel like it was only like one number away from my crush's phone number. Oh, fuck. That I should not know. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. we didn't talk on the phone. Like, it wasn't that kind of crush. Like, yeah. it was just like a... From I, afar. I, yeah, I loved him from afar. And so, I don't know why I called time and temperature all the time, but I did, because I was a dork. <laughs> I wonder what time it is. Hold on. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so anyway, and it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I went to call time and temperature. But... <laughs> Only I didn't. I accidentally no. called his... House and you know, time and temperature picks up like picks up, yeah. And it was like the second ring that I was like, This didn't pick up, and like realized what I did, yeah, and like hung up and was like, like Oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> because I knew that they had caller ID, <gasps> no, because my sister used to be friends with his sister, mm. so I knew that they had caller ID. But I was just hoping, because I think it had to ring twice for the caller ID. You know what I mean? So I was just like, yeah. maybe the caller ID didn't pick it up. But if it did, maybe they just thought Casey was calling. Yeah. Even though they're not really friends anymore. Maybe. <laughs> you oh, know? my God. Oh, my God. I was mortified. I wish he would have answered and been like, hello. And you'd been like, uh, do you know the time and temperature? <laughs> <laughs> no, he probably went through and was like scrolling to see who had called while they were out or whatever. And was like, oh, Jesus. No. Okay, to hijack this a little bit further. Oh, God. Speaking of time and temperature, in the yellow book, or white pages, whatever, there used to be a lot of numbers, and they were just stupid numbers. But it would be like trivia. So like sports trivia. Yeah. A joke a day. Yes. Horoscopes. Yeah. And they would give you the, um, we were talking about this the other day at work, and all the people who were under the age of 25 were like, what? And they would give you like the synopsis of yeah. the soap operas from that yes. day. Today on Days of Our Lives, yes. Marlena was still buried alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. And they would have a like a clown who would do a joke and no, stuff. No, I don't remember that. Oh my God. Well, like, you know, I mean, it was like the clown kind of voice where it was like. Yeah. Bozo. Yes. And oh my God, I used to call those all the time. Oh, Yeah. Man, that oh god, I love them. I wonder if they're still in service. Probably not. Let us know if y'all have any phone numbers like that where you live or you know, like mm-hmm. childhood, all the things. All right, back to her story. Not right away, but maybe about two weeks into living there, I started to hear noises in the house, like a radio was playing. I could hear like muffled music. I didn't think too much of it until I started hearing the muffled noises under my pillow instead. What? That would come and go, and it didn't happen every night. The attic in the house was only accessible with the pull-down stairs, and even though it was as big as the house, only about half of it was usable, since the other half only had insulation and no boards over it. Also, sorry, I totally forgot to say that the house is two stories and it was built in the 1900s. That was after the Christina Aguilera thing. And then we woo took it to another <laughs> whole other planet. I was like, how did you forget to say? 
Well, I started hearing footsteps coming up the stairs, like heavy boots. Then I would hear them in the attic above my room, where there is no walking space. Uh Uh-uh. At first, I brushed it off since it was hunting season, and my dad would be gone at weird hours, but it didn't stop. Now, the fun part. Well, not for young me. I started having dreams. In the dreams, I was a little boy, probably no older than five. I would be running away from someone in the house and trying to hide. In the dining room, there were two built-in corner china cabinets, and I would run into them and close the doors behind me. Whoever was chasing me would start pounding on the doors with a pole. Or was it a blowpoke? Sorry, just had to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sidebar, did you see Christy's post in the Facebook group? about She was like at like a thing with her kids for school Mm -hmm. and they pulled out a blow poke and she was like is that a blow poke yeah and then realized that nobody none of the other moms were like fascinated by that (laughs) oh my gosh okay i'll start that sentence over so it has the creepiness factor instead of the blow poke factor (laughs) whoever was chasing me would start pounding on the doors with a pole then open the doors and drag me out no I would finally see her, and she looked like an old-timey governess. Hair in a slicked-back bun, long-pressed dress. I never saw her in color, always grayscaled. Then I would wake up. I would have these dreams at least once a week, from about age 10 to 18 when I moved out. Oh, shit. When we got a dog after I had those dreams, he would bark at the front door when I woke up. So that wasn't creepy at all. Then she put, I'm now realizing how long this is, and I'm sorry. (laughs) In the basement, it was such a weird setup. There were two big rooms and one small room, all unfinished, just walls put up. In a big room was laundry and storage, and the other one was a playroom slash extra living room kind of space for my sister and me. I would be watching TV down there, and all of a sudden, in the small room, that's where Dad kept his tools... I would hear clanking around. Not being an idiot, I just ignored it and got back to the, I don't know, probs Lizzie McGuire. She's coming back, y'all. I know. I saw that. Mm. Okay. The noise would be persistent enough until I stood up from the couch and then it would stop and I would fly upstairs. Last part. I finally saw her when I started doing laundry. I was by the washer and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Looked over and there was nothing. Back to the laundry. Looked over again, and there was a very faint silhouette of a woman in a dress. Nope. The whole feeling of the room changed. I was terrified. It felt like I wasn't safe anymore, and I screamed, ran upstairs, and yelled for my mama. All she told me was, don't tell your sister about this. Well, damn. Okay, thanks. Which makes me feel like she already saw or at least Mm -hmm. felt this lady. Mm Mm-hmm. From then on, I only went into the basement when I had friends over, and that's it. So sorry for the long-ass story. Love you, ladies. Krista. Well, just like Donna said in that other episodes, there's only two things in basements. Demons and laundry. And we don't like either. Mm -mm, Mm-mm. 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 Because that dream, that Mm -hmm. was either legit that ghost woman uh-huh. showing you what happened or it was like the boy like the ghost boy showing you what happened yeah 
That's so scary. Mm-mm. And yeah, for sure, that means that your mom had felt it or seen her mm-hmm. or something. Nope, Mm-mm. nope, nope. That sounds like it's the start of like fucking Conjuring movie. Mm-mm. Okay, this one is from Sean, and it's titled Sinister Sightings, Not Lighthearted, Definitely Not an Ender. So she says, April 15th, 1988, Randy Leach, 17 years old, 6'2", 220 pounds, a good student athlete, all around respected, well-liked, and responsible young man. He had a good relationship with his parents, left home with $50 in his pocket, and in the family car at 6.30 p.m. Linwood, Kansas, a small town, five blocks by five blocks square, one gas station, a library, volunteer fire department, no stoplights. Randy stops by his cousin's home, hangs out for a brief time before heading into Linwood. He picks up his friend, 30-year-old Stephen. Stephen then buys a six-pack of beer, and they drove around while Stephen drank the beer. Stephen states that Randy had been the driver, so declined a beer. They then headed across the river to the neighboring city, DeSoto. Randy's parents had purchased a cherry red vintage Mustang as his graduation present, and he wished to see the progress. The mechanic at the auto shop confirms both guys showed up. Steve and the mechanic drank more beer, and Randy once again declined. Randy and Steve leave, and Steve states that Randy dropped him off back at home. At 9.30 p.m., Randy is seen on video and in person by many witnesses at the local gas station purchasing two Pepsis, two candy bars, and $3 worth of gas. Speculation states a known drug user and Steve's roommate was in the passenger seat. At 9.45, Randy arrived alone at a local graduation party for a classmate, Kim Irwin. Randy was reported as seeming his normal, joking self. This party, held in a typical Midwestern field, had approximately 100 teenagers and young adults in attendance. Damn. All right, I don't fucking know 100 people. This sounds like that mm-hmm. uh, party that you were talking about with that girl. On Halloween, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all of Linwood's youth and many from neighboring cities. Boo Boo Punch was sold for $3 a cup with what three refills. What is that? Honey Boo Boo's Punch, I guess. I don't know. It's her go-go juice? It must be. Shine. Is it moonshine? <laughs> okay. Within one hour, people say that Randy's behavior had changed. While saying he did not smell like alcohol, he was stumbling and unable to walk. No one remembers seeing him with a drink. 12.30 to 1 a.m., a friend named John is going to drive Randy home but cannot find Randy's keys. John tells Randy to lay down in the front seat of the car. He needs to run some others home and will be back for Randy. 2 a.m., Miss Irwin reports seeing Randy in the house waiting to use the bathroom. She tells him to go outside because she's afraid he's going to fall down and hurt himself or break something. This is the last time Randy Wayne Leach is seen alive. What? 2.30 a.m., John returns to pick up Randy. Randy and his car are gone. This is where I stop. The next part contains corruption, false police report, satanic panic, fake detectives, and people's lives are almost destroyed. Small town, Linwood, life is never what it looks like. Sean. Sean, I need to know the rest. Definitely need to know more. Like, pronto, send an email, please. And put, like, second part so we can read it on the next Sinister Sightings. Like like right now, Sean, what are you doing? Is your <laughs> laptop open? Is your phone open? 
Are you typing? Okay, your turn. This one's called The Woman in White in My Bedroom. Hey, y'all. First, I just want to say thank you both for the amazing podcast. It's a perfect mix of my favorite things, creepy stories, true crime, and comedy. I want to share my paranormal encounters. My maternal aunt had said many times that she believes that the women in our family can sense things if we try. I'm a scaredy cat and would rather not, but that hasn't stopped me from experiencing things. The first is the woman who used to visit me in my childhood bedroom. Mm -mm. I don't remember specifically when she started appearing to me. I only remember seeing her a handful of times, but felt her presence more often. She appeared as a white figure that was semi-see-through in a long white gown. Definitely not of the era. I was never afraid of her and would get a calming sensation, and that's when I knew she was with me. I would often see or sense her sitting at the end of my bed. I don't remember if I ever saw her face. This next part is where people tend not to believe me or get really freaked out. But I find it comforting. When I was younger and I was going through a hard time, as most preteens in middle school do, my ghost would appear to me, often while I cried myself to sleep. Ugh, don't miss those preteen hormones. Also, can I just interject and say that the preteen hormones, I swear to God, comes back in your 30s. (laughs) Right. Like, what the hell? (laughs) All right. And we're even fucking medicated now. Oh, God. (laughs) I literally told Carrie, I need to make an appointment with my, with my doctor. Like, I got to up my meds. <laughs> Is that something we can say? Yes. Okay. I'm too emotional. But and not like in like a, I want to take meds so I feel nothing. No, Donna... Is fucking Wreck-It Ralph with her life right now. Yes. <laughs> I am like, you know, normally when drama happens, I'm just like, here for the comments, eating my popcorn, you know. Right now? She's starting the dumpster fires. Yes. Right now, I am like, it's kind of boring today. What can I get into? Cue the, like, Ursula gif where she's like, wah, ha, ha, ha. Or Patrick when he's like, hmm, 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 and he's rubbing his hands together. All right. Back to her story. While she was crying, this is what would happen. I would feel her stroking my hair. I never turned around or opened my eyes to see her. And wonder what I would have seen if I did. This is two ghosts that play with fucking hair. I know. Tonight, Carrie's going to be laying there and like her hair is just going to be like tucked on like her pillow or something. And some she's going to be like, I have a hair playing ghost. <laughs> Girl, you know, my hair's never down. It's always dirty and in a bun on my head. <laughs> True dad. True dad. Also, she would not be like, Oh, yes, I have a hair playing ghost. She would be cue the Blair Witch, like <laughs> FaceTiming me, all the things. I have my poise pads and I don't know if I can come out of the bathroom. <laughs> How would he like have the snot dripping? <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. She was never scary and I actually would call to her while falling asleep if I was feeling sad. Most of the time she showed up and stroked my hair. I told my parents and they pushed it off as my imagination or the fan moving my hair, but I knew what I was feeling was real. I'm also not sure who she was as my house was built in the 1980s and I always somehow knew she was from the past. I also knew she was a kind mother who maybe lost a child. Oh. 
She came to me once in college when I moved out of state and was super homesick, but that was it. Even when I go home to visit, she doesn't appear. I like to think that she's somewhere calming a preteen child, crying over how her friends made fun of her for having sketchers, not converses. Not that I know anything about that. Oh, gosh. Bless it. God bless it. God, life is so hard. It really like, is. Like, as a teen, it, well, all the time. But, like, it doesn't fucking matter what shoes you have on, mm-hmm. you know? But it does to preteen her because her friends are telling her it matters, you know? Yeah. But it's like, oh, gosh, if you could just tell those other people, it doesn't matter. Right? Well, and guess what? Sketchers and Converse, they're still fucking around mm-hmm. making billions of fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Mm-hmm. And Sketchers are fucking comfortable. Converse is her Carrie's feet every time she tried to be cool. I know they do, but I still <laughs> wear them and I still try. <laughs> because preaching her never got them. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Preaching Donna was like... Give me that $1 Old Navy flip-flop. And now I'm just old and wishing I could wear those $1 Old Navy flip-flops. My final story is short, but I cry whenever I think of it. My grandfather died in 2010 from lung cancer. I was devastated as his death was the first family member's death I've had to deal with. That's a second story with that in it, too. Mm-hmm. I was in 10th grade and very unprepared. <gasps> Me too, when my grandfather died. Oh, God, yeah. Tenth grade, and I was very unprepared. Yep. A few weeks later, I was back at home trying to get to sleep, crying over how much I wish I knew him better. He was always sick throughout my childhood, and I felt guilty as if I ignored getting close to him. I then felt a calming presence and thought it was my lady ghost coming to stroke my hair. The energy felt different, and I sat up to see my grandfather smiling at me. He was standing near my bedroom door and looked healthy and surrounded by light. We didn't speak, and he simply turned around and disappeared soon after. I felt my guilt fade away, and I think he came to say that it was okay and he was in a better place. I fell right to sleep after that, and I haven't seen him since— but feel better about knowing him and learning more about his life recently. He was an amazing guy. Thanks for reading and feel free to share. Kay. Wow. I like identified so much with the end of the last story. Yeah. Because like my grandfather was sick my whole, like my whole life too. My grandfather was too. He had Alzheimer's. I think I was maybe six when he had his stroke. God, I don't know that. You know how like sometimes it's like you yeah. aren't, you don't expect something to touch you, but that last story like, yeah, touched me. Like I teared up. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. But all of those stories, everybody, those were great. Yeah. And again, it's so crazy how we literally read these in the order that we get them, mm-hmm. and not always, but I feel like there's always at least something that repeats. Yeah, it's like a correlation between them. There's no, like, picking and choosing. Like, right. it's literally in order. Yeah. Wow. I love Sinister Sightings. Me too. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, please send more in because we would love to be able to read even more. Mm-hmm. Maybe do it once a week instead of biweekly. Absolutely. And, again, they can be long. They can be short. They can be 
funny. Something heartwarming. Something of, I thought I was going to die. Turns out it was just a mouse. or so, You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it doesn't have to be, like, this, like, grand, like, oh, my gosh. Encounter with something. It literally could be your imagination, but you, you know, like, went through whatever uh-huh. to find out that, oh, like, the furnace is just a furnace. Yeah. Home Alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and and true crime, too. It doesn't have yeah. to be. This is called Sinister Sightings, but it doesn't have to just be spooky. Mm-hmm. Which we got from Shine's mm-hmm. story. That, Absolutely. Mm, Shine, need more of it. So send them in. You can either go to our website, aparanormalchicks.com, or you can send them to our email, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com, and we'll read them. Mm-hmm. So keep them coming. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.